The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. That meditation that Meski just led us in, I'm wondering if contemplating our own mortality was easy for anyone. Yeah. It's not, right? And it's just reminded of how many defense mechanisms this heart has naturally, like this, no, this shouldn't be. You know, it's really, can be really challenging to, for the heart to fully lean into uncertainty and change and permanence. So the longer I practice, the more I just have a great kind of reverence and humility for all of the defense mechanisms that are, that are at work and the kind of patience that we need to uh, do this practice. I bet we've all come here to this workshop even with some hopes or maybe even expectations or goals like, I want to really understand this. And then we sit down for the first meditation and like all bets are off. Right? <laughs> the heart just does what the heart does. And you're hard to even stay with the breath for more than a millisecond. Hard to really understand. And that's just the way it is for us, just our human experience. So... Even though it is takes our patience and humility to really do this practice and really understand specifically what it is to lean into uncertainty, what it means to lean into uncertainty and impermanence and all the ways that we can learn how to do that, it is really a matter of moving out of survival into life our practice and being able to, in moments, taste what the Buddha was talking about, what it means to understand that life is a process, that this constitution, this heart-mind-body experience is always changing. It allows us to live our lives fully. This has been my experience. And that full engagement in life is really, you know, uh, about seeing that I, that this heart does not have to rely on its strategies, its defense mechanisms, denial, distraction, delusion, and the way, the path to that understanding is through our moment-to-moment awareness. This beautiful quote that I carry around in my backpack every day, actually, um, because I love it so much. It's from Louise Erdrich's book, The Painted Drum. She says, life will break you. Nobody can protect you from that. And living alone won't either, for solitude will break you with its yearning. You have to love. You have to feel. It is the reason you are here on earth. You are here to risk your heart. 
you are here to be swallowed up. And when it happens that you are broken or betrayed or left or hurt or death brushes near, let yourself sit by an apple tree and listen to the apples falling all around you in heaps, wasting their sweetness. Tell yourself you tasted as many as you could. So right on. (laughs) Isn't it? Like this is what it means to live. It's all of it. In this practice, this is what we learn, that living means this gigantic yes to life. Like everything belongs. All of it. All of the defense mechanisms of the heart, all of the resistance, all of the clinging, it all belongs, right? This is our practice. We train in being able, being willing, developing the capacity to say, yes, 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 this is the way it is. There's no denying that. It doesn't help denying it. Sweeting that just causes suffering, just denial. James Baldwin said, the world changes according to the way people see it. And if you alter even but a millimeter the way people look at reality, then you can change it. The world changes according to the way people see it. And if you alter even but a millimeter the way people look at reality, then you can change it. So this movement from survival to just trying to get by, to thinking, to waiting for dinner, for the next vacation, to wanting the next pleasant experience, to trying to get away from this unpleasant experience, that's survival. So this movement from being trapped in our own reactivity to being able to respond with some wisdom and compassion for the way things are, this, then we can live. And so part of, as, we're, as we do this movement, this is, I think, what James Baldwin is referring to, we broaden our view, we broaden our understanding. And so the path to understanding uncertainty, to understanding impermanence, is this slow, patient, moment by moment, ah, it's like this. Oh yeah, it is like this. I don't have to run. Oh look, training the heart not to have to run. It's not by one time sitting down to contemplate our own mortality and going, oh yeah, now I got that. I'm good now. (laughs) Not afraid to die. That's not how it goes. It's moment to moment. The, one, of the, one of the teachings that shows up many places, it's a really profound teaching sometimes I think, oh, it's all I need, really, if I can just understand what the Buddha meant by this teaching on Vedana, or feeling tone, then you know, it'll just be enough 
content there for my lifetime. And this teaching really helps us understand what we do with experience. So feeling tone is is the the way we either grasp or cling to the pleasant or uh, say no to the unpleasant or ignore anything that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So three ways to understand feeling tone. It's this kind of natural human thing that we do as human beings, just not wanting. And it's embodied in our biology, too, which is more evidence that it's a slow practice, that we don't even need to really have goals. Like, I'm going to... I need to learn how to kick this habit of anxiety in the next 30 days or in the next year. I'm going to really hit it hard and hopes that it goes away. That can be just the wrong, actually counterproductive. It's more in that kind of reverent attitude for and humility for the way these patterns have come about that the, the heart learns to relax. And it's in that relaxation that the heart can actually accept the way things are. And when the heart can actually accept the way things are, then it's possible to see clearly. When we can see clearly, we understand, oh, life, this is what it's like to deconstruct. Life is really like this. And our practice helps us deconstruct this moment. And so in deconstructing this moment, in a single moment, in a single experience, we get to see these inner workings. Like, oh, this is, this is, this experience is pleasant. And when an experience is pleasant, this is the tendency. This is this human tendency to want to go, yeah, this is all I want. I want nothing more. It's got to stay like this forever, right? Let me just ride this bite of chocolate cake until. We can't do that anymore. <laughs> or in this heart-mind experience, it tends to want to notice the unpleasant. And so it can get really familiar with fear and anger and resistance, mostly fear, any form of that. <laughs> and what happens when the system gets afraid? It's like, no, run away, right? Run away or reject. Get the hell out of here. But when we see that, like a knee pain or a sensation in the body, and the relationship to that sensation in the body, the relation that that sensation in the body that might be unpleasant, and the resistance, you know, that's another layer. The resistance to the knee pain, and then my want, and then that resistance, like, is a slowly is a subtle pulling back moving away. It's not inclusive anymore. It's not belonging. Even with the best of intentions, it's not saying yes. It's saying no to this, right? I remember one of my first experiences understanding this and sitting and trying to get to know what that feels like. And not, it's such a tight connection. It's such a tight loop. The unpleasantness and the resistance to the unpleasant. I don't, you've probably Many of you have probably experienced this, like, oh, I can't really tell if this is resistance or if this is unpleasant. And so noticing knee pain, 
and then opening my eyes and watching it pop. Oh, that's interesting. So now I know that the mind was engaged because there's still the experience of the body happening, but with the eyes open, there's a little more light and there was a little more space to see, oh, it's not just that. There's something more here. This is feeling tone, right? The unpleasantness of the experience and the relationship to that. And we can notice this with all kinds of things. Our thoughts and emotions. I was at work yesterday. I was at work yesterday um, at a school that I work at. And I was just noticing uh, some resistance to being there. Feeling a little tired and... Um, too much to do and whatever other thoughts were moving through my head. But I watched my mind, like, I watched the mind again and again. The thought that came up was like, what are you going to have for dinner? (laughs) What are you going to have for dinner? And then I caught it once, like, fantasizing about, like, oh, what's in the refrigerator? What might you cook? You'll have the house to yourself. I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Just, and it was pleasant. Like, that fantasizing was pleasant. It was like, oh, you don't have to be here anymore. Yeah. So there was this just easy way of, you know, what seemed like a natural tendency to just go towards that pleasant fantasy. What are you going to have for dinner? It's so simple. This happens all the time. You can feel this with emotions, pleasant emotions of, happiness or joy. Mesky came in today and she was full of gratitude and talking and it was palpable. So I was, you know, in a moment kind of swept away by it like, oh yeah, maybe I don't have to do anything else. Let me just get swept away by this beautiful feeling. And it, it's nice to feel that. But like Mark says, not think, not pretend that it's supposed to make us happy. So beneficial, because it can balance, it can help us balance the mind to continue to be relaxed and live. But if we think that a fantasy or a pleasant experience is really going to deliver the goods, it's not it. It's not it as, as, as much as the unpleasant experiences, isn't it? It can be a little easier to see the unpleasant experience, how that's not it. Because with the unpleasant experience, we want to say no. And so the, attack, the clinging to, the, un, to the, re, yeah, the pushing away, that clinging, is like, you know that that's not the way. Uh, that's not the way to freedom. Fear, for example. I did, uh, I was out at, Prairie Farm at our Common Grounds Retreat property for four weeks or so, several years ago now, and uh, the way this, I tend to think about it as the retreat where I got to know fear. I was there by myself for quite some time, and I decided to be there without a car, because there's no sense in having a car out there for when I'm there for that long, so got a ride, got dropped off. I was staying at the, at the time there was an apartment towards the back of the house, so away from what little traffic there is out there, but only trees and forests, just beautiful. And for some reason, the, the system was really 
understanding its vulnerability, not just in kind of a practical way, like being a single person out there, but just in noticing how uh, in process, how things change moment to moment, how the attitude shifts from moment to moment, how the body feels different one morning and the next morning, or 8 o'clock to 10.30, whatever it is. And it was so unsettling, right? But it was, but today there's the residue of that practicing with fear. There's just this greater capacity that, oh, this is just fear, sweetie. It doesn't, you don't have to be afraid of fear. So the system understands that, oh, this belongs to, there's no real benefit to running away. Because the next time fear arises in the heart, I want to be able to practice with it. I want to have many options, just like you do. You want to have all the options for every moment of your life. So that taste, that flavor that's left behind of, oh, this doesn't have to be a problem, is, was really born out of that uh, resolve to keep practicing that moment-to-moment resolve, keep practicing, find a way to keep practicing. Because in some moments, it wasn't just there wasn't a capacity to be with. And so, you know, I had to use all of the tools available to me, which in some cases, at some times, it's moving away from the fear, finding a way to rebalance, rebalance, so that it's possible to keep looking, to keep noticing taking walks. At, at one point, I've told the story before, but it seemed like there was just a teetering on the edge of terror, really. And so there was the mind was agitated enough that I wasn't going to fall asleep, so I lie down on my bed, on my back, windows open, nice breeze. It's like a perfectly, this perfect day. Sun was out, breeze was coming in, bed was soft, warm enough. The conditions were just perfect. And the mind was just right there with it. Like, okay, can be with fear without being overwhelmed with it. So it's being willing to do what we can do, to train, to trust, to learn that we can trust our capacity to say, yes, everything is workable. Everything is workable. Even the most difficult even the unpleasant experiences. No need to push this away. And it's not because of the will or the intellect going like, oh yeah, I know this. It's actually the experience of it that the heart gets trained. Oh yes, yes, it's possible. Shinzen Young has these little mathematical equations. Um, and he says that suffering equals pain times resistance. 
suffering equals pain times resistance. And he goes on to say that like the amount of suffer, like the degree to which we're suffering is if you times like if you're suffering a hundred times, you times that by a hundred times the resistance, and then you get what is that in in math? I don't even know what that is, but a big number. And, <laughs> and that's it's like that much suffering. Right? <laughs> and then the other side of that is frustration equals pleasure times grasping. Frustration equals pleasure times grasping. Suzuki Roshi, one of my, you know, something that kind of goes through my head as a mantra from time to time is this little story about Suzuki Roshi, a a Zen teacher, and one of his students was listening to some of his instruction and said something like, if I practice the way you're instructing me, will I be enlightened? And Suzuki Roshi said, if your practice is sincere, it's almost as good. And when I hear that, I have like a big, ah, oh, yeah. So we don't have to wait for these moments when, you know, it's like, poof, we get it. We can experience freedom every, it's the, op- the possibility of freedom is right there as we go through our lives. If your practice is sincere, if you're training and developing the capacity to be with life as it is, accepting all of the experience of life, if we're really diligent about that training, and even accepting when the heart is resistant and not able to be there. Oh, yeah, this too, right? Willing to practice, willing to get up, willing to open the eyes, willing to move away from this fear. That's where freedom, that's where we can taste freedom. Oh, yeah, it's possible. It's really possible to be with life as it is. And if it's possible to be with life as it is, we can know how it really is. Uh Oh, everything is in flux. Processes of change happening all the time. Internal, external. This illusion of a permanent, fixed, shelly. You can see, see that just fall away in moments. So let's do a little practice together for the next five minutes or so. So get yourself into a comfortable position. These are the Buddha's words on equanimity from the Dhammapada. As a solid mass of rock is not stirred by the wind, so a sage is not moved by praise and blame. As a deep lake is clear and undisturbed, so a sage becomes clear upon hearing the Dhamma. Virtuous people always let go. They don't prattle about pleasures and desires, touched by happiness and then by suffering. The sage shows no sign of being elated or depressed. So we'll just invite equanimity to be here with us. 
Just this invitation for the mind to be undisturbed, like a rock or a deep lake. Remembering, too, that we don't need to make anything happen. We don't need this moment to be any different than the way it is. We can even say, heart, you can just be the way that you are. So connecting with the body, with the mind. Without efforting, just receiving experience. Breath, sensations, emotions, thoughts, directing the attention anywhere, just receiving the way it is, and being on the lookout for those, that moment of contentedness, that feeling of okay. Whether the experience is pleasant or unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, at least in moments we know this capacity to be okay with it all. That feeling of okayness is there, really drink it in. So that the heart can learn to trust that this is a possibility in every moment.
giant yes to life. We can sometimes have a wrong view of practice, thinking that if we practice hard enough, then the unpleasant experiences will become pleasant something like that, but that's not the way it is. It's a wrong view. With practice, with an intention to be relaxed, to receive, the heart just grows in its capacity to feel, to know, to be okay with the way things are, no matter how they are. Okay with fear, okay with anger, okay with joy, okay with unpleasant body sensations, okay with pleasant fantasy, unpleasant planning. Okay with sleepiness. Growing our capacity to be okay. Because when we can be okay, we can do anything. We can fully live. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.